Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I am your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here, as always, with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm doing great. How are you? Are you really doing great? I am. Uh, Before you started that, I was sort of uh, listening to our opening music in my own mind, getting in in the mood, you know? That saved you today, because I know. Let's just get the cat out of the bag been a challenging day it was brutal tonight woof last two nights <laughs> have been brutal so um, last night wasn't that bad uh the course of the night when i woke up um on the oh, couch oh no no the whole night was yeah. bad i mean the bedtime well well actually yeah bo didn't go to bed till nine o'clock that's so right yeah, i left you terrible. and bo and, and you and bo hung out till <laughs> nine thirty. It was yikes. Um, And then tonight, yeah, Bo is sick. He has a cold, so he's a little bit grouchy and really into just doesn't want to do anything. And Quinn, I think, is teething because his shirt was like soaked today and he smelled like the wet dog. Is that a a telltale sign of teething? Wet dog. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's just like saliva. You know what I mean? It's like not only are you a sommelier for wine, (laughs) you also like go around and, and smell babies and you like... This baby's teething. I smell wet dog. <laughs> You're going to have some rough nights ahead. So here's my question. If I have that, if I smell that in a wine, do I say teething baby or wet dog? I like teething baby. <laughs> okay. Because then people are going to look at you like, oh, this one's crazy. Or they'll be like, she really knows her stuff. Oh, wow. It does smell like, like a teething, teething baby. baby. Amazing new descriptor. <laughs> We're inventing on the spot here at the long finish. The other thing that I smelled tonight that I do get a lot in wine is Tylenol because I gave that to Quinn before he went to bed because he has been having so much trouble. In what wine do you get Tylenol? Well, it's kind of like the cher- medicinal thing. Yeah, the medicinal thing and that cherry. Yeah, artificial cherry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll find it tonight. I might be taking some Tylenol here before the end of the night because we're taking some incoming. There's some live fire from a young baby crying during the early part of this uh, podcast. Yeah, we had to wait to start this until the crying was done. And I'm sure that's not the end of it. He knows that you smell wet baby or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Wet dog. Wet dog. (laughs) I smell wet baby. <laughs> oh, we're having fun. All Ooh. right. Well, yeah, we welcome this wine tonight. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 17 of The Long Finish. We've done it. We haven't even done the episode yet. You say yet. that every hey, week. We've done it. Good night. <laughs> and that's a yeah. wrap. You know, the first step is just beginning, and we've begun, and now we're in full swing. So thank you to everyone for tuning in to episode 17. As always, if you have an opportunity to rate, review, and subscribe to the show, and just let us know that you're out there, it means so much to us. We'd love to get to 100 reviews and ratings by the springtime, so if you feel so uh, generous, we'd love to hear from you. So we move on to episode 17. Got a lot in store. We got a, a topic that was suggested by one of the listeners. Yes. Someone reached out to us on Facebook and suggested it would be really fun to see. It would be really fun to hear a day in the life. What's it like? We thought that was a great idea. A day in the life at Esther's. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what he meant. Yeah. I hope he didn't. You know, he just wants you to do like a random what's day. What's your day off like? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I wake I'm up doing and, laundry. I, I make a few waffles for the kids. <laughs> then we go to the market and I spread out a blanket for like two hours and we watch a bunch of other kids run around. 
really fun. Is this and what you wanted to hear? <laughs> so yeah, we're going to be talking about a day in the life of what it's like working and overseeing Esther's wine shop and bar. And we also have a fun, delicious red wine that we'll be drinking during the episode. And that is... Yes, yeah, super fun wine tonight from our cheap and cheerful section at Esther's, the $30 and under. This is called La Bicicleta Voladora. It's from Rioja, Spain. It is the 2018. It's Tempranillo primarily. That's the great variety. And it is super cheerful. Just a happy wine. Let's be honest. Who doesn't want a good, affordable wine for your random weeknight? Exactly. This is perfect Thursday night wine. This is what we're all looking for, and that's when we're taping Thursday night. So let's get into the wine in a minute, and we'll talk about what it's like to live a day in the life of overseeing Esther's. But of course, we need to finish this conversation about our kids. Particularly tough night last night. Been a long day today. I know Catherine wanted to bang her head in the stove. <laughs> we talked last week about these audible breaths that you can read as um, as a married couple. I also understand the sort of like palms to the ground, head to the sky, <laughs> neck <laughs> neck stretching. I can't take this. Like smoke coming out of the ears. Daddy, get in here. Daddy, get in There's here. There's a lot of daddy get in here because I, whenever I see, A, the stress from her, but also like the kids got, kind of getting to the brim of destruction, I just run hide into the yeah, I'm bedroom. like, hey, there's screams from both kids in the bath. One's standing up. The other one is like, doesn't want to be in there. It's just a nightmare. I'm like, where are you to be found? Just chilling on the couch, looking at my Twitter. Just chilling. I'm building an, a long finish shirt with just chilling. Me on a like a lazy boy holding a <laughs> bottle of wine. It sounds very cute and very apropos and very true. Yeah. And then the wife, where is she? She's on the back with her palms to the ground <laughs> and her neck stretching to the sky and the smoke coming out of the ears. <laughs> Uh, in any case, it was brutal, terrible, horrible, no good, very bad bedtime. One of our favorite books. The baby screamed through dinner. Bo was ornery. It was terrible. I give it a two. A big fat two. Big fat two is probably the worst rating we've given so far on the long finish. Just to recap my night. You were chilling. I was Get back to chilling. Ice cold chilling. I slept in three different places last night. I slept in my bed. I slept in our three-year-old's bed for about 30 minutes. Then the baby woke up and I tried to put him back to sleep for about an hour and a half. Every time I tried to, to lay back down, he would see me and not go to sleep. So I slept on the couch. And on top of that, I've scheduled a day today where I see a bunch of doctors like do my physical, do my MRI. MRI on the knee. Like walking dead On the ACL, today. which I think is torn. Uh, went to see a cardiologist because I just want to make sure that my heart's feeling great. I was at the doctor all day just like wearing sunglasses like I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old and every nurse is like, I get it. I get it. So super long day, come home to this and I needed a little ice cold chilling. So thank you for taking the brunt of that. But I agree. You know, right now we're, we're working some stuff out because we think the youngest one's teething. The oldest one is testing us. Yes, testing. And so because of that, we're going to get away. We're just going to avoid all of this and we're going to go to San Francisco for two days this weekend, no kids. It's the first time we've ever done this. Yeah. We've only done one night ever, and that was driving, just like Santa Barbara area. So this is kind of big. I am excited and nervous. I'm very excited and nervous, but also I don't care because I won't be around. And I know our domestic engineer, Brando, who will be watching the kids, will he's, actually he's crush not, it. Yeah, he's they'll have a be- they'll, The kids will have a better time with 
him than they will with us. They will be so happy and just fine and it's all going to be great. And we, hopefully, will just get some sleep and have some fun. So do you want to talk a little about the event and, and why we're going up there? Yes. So Francis... The restaurant in San Francisco, Melissa Perello is the chef there. Uh, they're celebrating their 10-year anniversary, doing a series of dinners with chefs and sommeliers or wine directors, all women, and supporting charity. Each dinner was supporting charity. And so I'm doing a dinner with Chef Kim Alter and Chef Melissa Perello Monday night to support Corazon Healdsburg. Super excited. I know Melissa from her opening M. Georgina restaurant down here in Los Angeles, and I've never been to Francis. I can't wait to go, and it's going to be awesome. You'll be pouring some wines, and we're going to be drinking some delicious wine tonight, but we're pouring great wines all the time at Esther's. But tonight, I thought we'd talk a little bit about what it's like being the CEO and owner of Esther's for you, Catherine, and what, like, let's say, a busy day for you is at Esther's. You want to walk us through something? Yeah, so I kind of break my day down into three categories if I'm thinking big picture. Things that I'm thinking about in terms of the past, what have we done, what's been happening, recapping, how can we get better? What's going on right now? How do we maintain what we're doing? How do we just flesh out and improve what we're doing? And then what's down the pipeline? What are we really working on in 2020? So my day kind of falls into all the little minutia of my day kind of falls into those categories. So I started my day with a meeting with the managers and the executive team with a focus on what we're doing in 2020, which is a focus on farming, a focus on really good farming. Baseline, we're just going to be bringing in wines from producers that don't use chemicals in their vineyards. But we're also going to be really excited about highlighting producers that do way more than that. Certified organic, biodynamic, dry farming, not tilling, and the full spectrum, everything regenerative farming, which maybe is kind of a new phrase for people right now. But I think by the end of 2020, you will be hearing this phrase around Whole Foods or whatever. And I also think this is something that I know you're passionate about. So we'll talk about this more in depth in episodes to come. Absolutely. And in a nutshell, it's just that the focus is more on eco-friendly wines. So I'm talking to the managers and executive team about how we're going to make that happen and about a panel that I'm planning in April. Then we'll definitely get into the nitty gritty of that then. So that meeting lasts about an hour. After that, I filmed an Instagram post with our GM, Zaytuna. She and I do that together every week. I pick a wine I'm super excited about and tell the story of the wine and a little bit about how it tastes and what it pairs with. Kind of what we do on the podcast, but like a itsy bitsy video. And that's for Esther's Instagram. That was super fun. And then after that is the weekly Thursday tastings. So I meet with the sommeliers and wine directors from all the rest of Canyon family restaurants. We sit together and we taste with three different distributors or importers. They bring us wines that they think will be right for our programs. We taste and discuss them together. And that usually lasts about an hour and a half to two hours. It's one of the best times of my week. I think of that as the present. Maintaining our programs, maintaining the relationships, maintaining my knowledge knowledge on top of what's coming up and what is fresh and what is new in the wine world. So let's, let's hang on that for That sounds like the fun part. It sounds like, you know. It is like that is that part of my week is what everyone probably thinks like, oh, I bet her she spends 40 hours a week doing that. 
<laughs> I agree. And I know right. how much you love that part. I do. And you wish, you know, you could do more of that, but it's just hard uh, because of all the other things you're trying to do yeah. for Esther's and the other, other uh, restaurants in the group. But let's sit and paint a picture for the wine tasting component. It's usually the sommeliers of the group or the beverage directors within the restaurants. And do you guys sit and talk about each wine or is it pretty quiet? How do you run your tasting of the wines? Well, I like it to be very serious, like people showing up on time, not talking too much, taking notes, spitting the wine, and focused and listening to what the distributor is saying. So people aren't drinking the wines. Someone invited somebody who came once and was just like drinking and asking ridiculous questions, and I had to call the manager and tell them not to send that person ever again. So no. I remember this. Yeah, well then, by the end of it, it, they're just a mess, and they're not taking notes. It's like, I'm sure there are people in the industry who can handle themselves that way and do it, but that's not how our tasting works. I mean, works. you're tasting it also at like 11 in the morning. Yeah, how would anyone do anything yeah, with their day? Yeah, it's hard to function the rest of the day. Gotta go take a nap, Yeah, exactly. that's what you were doing. So, no, definitely not. We do talk some. Usually we'll say, like, someone will say, gosh, this wine has, like, such this, like, lemon pepper thing. Oh, yeah. And that lemongrass, yeah, me too. You know, I mean, sometimes, or sometimes we're just quiet. If you're into the wine, multiple people are into the wines, how do you kind of choose where that wine's going to go within the group? Sometimes it's really obvious. We all are like, wow, well, that's a wine for Casilla. That is going to go with spicy food. Casilla being? The Southeast Asian Bistro right across from Esther's. Or sometimes it's a battle. Mariana, who's at Casilla, and Ferdy, who's at Rustic Canyon, look each other in the eye, and he goes, don't you dare. And she's like, it's mine, baby. And I go, sorry, we're getting it at Esther's. Oh, yes, trump (laughs) card. Or, you know, like, sometimes we'll say, well, okay, you can have it, you can have a little there, and you can have it by the glass here, and, you know, we split it up like that. Or, we'll discuss after, and we'll get back to you. Do you remember a wine that was, like, the most contentiously fought for? Can you remember the last time that happened where everyone wanted it? There was a great Pinot Noir today that we were like, oh, we have to have this by the glass. No, it's better for me. Well, everybody was, like, going after it. And I'm like, wait, are you sure this is, uh organic and the guy's like well and we were like oh man (laughs) all right back to the drawing board and how hard has that been for you and the group to sort of look through people's books and say we want only practicing organic wines yep um i don't think it's that hard actually there's so many people on that train right now just to find wines that are baseline they're not using chemicals in the vineyards there's a lot of wines like that and a lot of wines that we already have in our programs i mean 75 or more percent are already that. So it's just kind of whittling down the things that aren't and letting those go and not reordering them. But so many of the wines we have already are. It's surprising. It's awesome. That's great. Yeah. So you come into Esther's around 10 and you have that, that meeting about sustainable regenerative farming. This is today, yeah. Yep. Then you do your wine tasting. The Instagram video. Instagram the, vid- the Instagram yeah. video around yep. like ten thirty or eleven or something like that. Then yep. you go into eleven thirty. You go, you do your tastings. Yep. When when are you eating? Well, I tried to order food before the tasting, but it was the French onion soup, and it took a little while. So then I'm in the middle of the tasting, and so between the tasting, I came out, took a bite, went back, did the tasting. Then at the very end of the tastings, I ate a very cold soup. It was it was not a good plan today. <laughs> 
And then I had to have a loaf of bread after, which I usually have a loaf of bread on the tasting day. Just, you know, kind of want bread when you're having wine. Yeah, of course. But um, yeah, it was cold soup. So today. what happens after the tastings? Well, today I was tasting a cocktail also after the tastings. This is that our beverage director, Jameson, is creating these low ABV cocktails. Uh, that was your suggestion, which is a great idea. And it was delicious. I really am into the low ABV cocktails, things are with vermouth and other things that feel like they, they keep the light effervescence often equated with brunch cocktails and even some mocktails. I think we, you know, especially as we're going through what some people do a dry January, we still want to make sure that people have fun drinks uh, that they can sip on on a date or things like that. So these are all things that we're thinking about at Esther's to cater to every guest. So I'm glad you got to taste those cocktails. And then after you taste the cocktail and you have your bite of French onion soup, then what are you doing? Then I was meeting with our managers to go over the holidays. So this is part of the past, how we're sort of learning from the past. How did December go? What worked well? What didn't? Why is it the hardest month of the year? What can we do better for next year? Generally the hardest month of the year, busiest month of the year for retail uh, wine shops. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, we are a combo. We're totally different. But straight up retail, you do 80% of or more of your business in one month. It's insane. So we get a little hit of that. And then we have events and then just nights are busier. That's before Christmas. Then you have the doldrums after Christmas and then you have New Year's Eve. So it's like, it's kind of a crazy up and down month. It's hard for people to get in a groove. Lots of people get sick. Anyway, we, we recapped what we can do better for next year, what we can organize better, staffing, etc. I like this idea of like checking on what you did recently, uh, maintaining what you do well, which was bringing some excellent wines and thinking about the future. Any more events that take place in what has so far been a, a pretty busy day? Well, just before the evening, we have pre-shift, which um, they tune in Jameson lead every night. They're talking about one of the wines we have by the glass or pulling something off the shelf and every all the staff is trying it we're talking about any menu changes for the night any parties what to expect so it's time a little time for everyone to group up and chat and focus on the night so going more into the service mode yeah it's restaurant time and that's more of like the present maintaining what we've got and then on this particular day after that i had another little wine and cheese meeting about more sustainability for our restaurants as a whole and we met with karen beverlin who is our connection to our farmers and the farmers market we're talking about how we work on supporting really sustainable eco-friendly farms we're already Already sourcing 99.9% organic everything for other restaurants. But like, how do we do more than that? So we had a great conversation about that too. And I'm sure you'll see more of that down the pipeline. So that's more future talk. And then you come home and, and, then and, and deal with kids. Home. I mean, I was saying to you earlier tonight, I love home. I love work. But I don't want to live here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, the transition is so hard. Yes. Some There are moments like today where I was like, I kind of understand why someone would want a 25, 30 minute commute. So you can at least like mentally prepare for the next thing that you're going into. I mean, I am never going to complain that my commute is five minutes, but my brain is takes a while to catch up. The days that I'm home, amazing. Days at work, amazing, but ugh. Just sit in your car for a few minutes. I need about 30. So Maybe I should budget that. You should. Yeah. And bring my book and just chill. Chill on your book. And someone knocks on your window. You're like, are you okay in there? Yeah, yeah. I'm just decompressing from the day. So I like this idea of doing a past 
present and future where you're doing, you know, within the, the confines of your day, you're doing a postmortem on something, an event that you just had or a previous month, but you're also then focusing on what you do really well, which is focus on the wines, taste cocktails, service, service, etc. And then you're also thinking about the future, which is what you want to do with the Esther's food and wine component for the rest of the year and years to come. Exactly. I think that is the job of the owner is seeing that big picture and really having great communication with your team to be able to bring them in on all those levels. And what do I do? I come in and I make sure the music sounds good, the lights are at the right levels, the bathroom is clean, and the salad is delicious. That's essential. Very tough job. All of those things. All those components are tough. So that's a lot of fun to, to learn a little bit more about your day um, and understand why you're so stressed when you come home. But I'm always happy to have you come home and drink a bottle of wine with you. And tonight we are doing that in style. We're drinking a fantastic bottle of wine and a cheery, affordable wine. So do you want to introduce this wine again for us and tell us what's so special yeah, about it? Yeah, so this is La Bicicleta Voladora. It has, which means the flying bike, and it has a little bike wheel with wings on the label, which is super cute. Rioja. Rioja is a region in Spain, probably the most notable region in Spain. The primary grape here is Tempranillo. Last week we talked about Sangiovese um, being the most planted grape in Italy. I don't know if Tempranillo is the most planted grape in Spain, but it's the number one red grape that people know and think about all over Spain. So this is made by a young winemaker named Germán Blanco. And he makes wine in Ribera del Duero and Bierzo, which are two different appellations. But he started this small project because he wanted to work with Rioja fruit, Rioja being this really notable region. And Rioja has just changed to some of their laws and they're reflecting on where the wine is from the little, a little more focus on terroir and a little less focus on oak aging. But this wine is entry-level Rioja just everyday table wine Rioja, and it doesn't see any oak aging. This is all in stainless steel. So it's fresh. It's bright. I think people who like Pinot Noir would like this. It's just uh, cherry, plum, dried herbs, not high tannin, not high acid, eh, medium acid. It's got a lot of freshness to it. And Germán Blanco, his number one project that he's known for is called Quinta Milu. And Milu stands for his son. I think his name is Lucas, like my Lucas, me Lou. Um, And on his website, there's a really cute picture of his son. So that's kind of cool. But he's just young, cool winemaker. Now, I asked you about the Winter Rosé a couple weeks ago from Spain. Where on the map of Spain is this vineyard? Or, or the region? The region is Rioja. Yeah. And if you think about... Hmm. It's right next to Navarra, which is where Pamplona is for the running of the bulls. So then maybe that would north help, central kind of. is basically where that would yeah, be. Yeah, kind of north central. And this one is from happens to be very close or on the Navarra side, so very close to where you were a few well, years ago. Yes, yes, I ran with the bulls a couple of years ago. That's all I'll say about that. Oh my gosh. Um. So the other thing that I love um, about this wine is, one, it's coming from organic grapes. Two, it's dry farmed, so that means it's not irrigated. So instead of the grapes 
just getting fat and juicy from the water. They're a little bit smaller. The roots have to dig down really deep to get water and nutrients. So the berries are smaller and more intense. That's a cool thing about this wine. It's indigenous yeast to start the fermentation. Not fined, not filtered. It's really like a simple, minimal intervention wine. And it's imported by my friend and colleague and someone that I really admire who who is Andrew Yandel. And he his company is called Trumpet. He imports wines from Spain, the avant-garde of Spain, as it says on his website. And he's all about wines that come from living soils. He says he puts his hands in the dirt to really find out if they're living soils. And the guy is insanely knowledgeable, so, so bright and happy and just a wonderful person to know. And I love supporting wines. That's awesome. And this wine happens to be, like we talked about earlier, approachable, affordable, something that people can go out and get and drink any night of the week. Absolutely. Rioja is a great region for that. It's also a great region to buy wines that are a little more expensive, but way less expensive than Bordeaux or Napa Cab or other regions. Like if you're looking for an older wine that's age worthy or an older wine that is like special to open and drink now, you're going to find a lot of value in Rioja. And some of the wines are amazing. It's also a great gateway region if you're like, you love domestic wine, you love wines that have like a lot of fruit and lushness, but you want to try old world wines. Spain is a great gateway. Rioja is a great gateway. And because of the, the good farming, thoughtful farming, does that help the cost because they're letting things kind of work out naturally? I don't think so. I think- Or is it is affordable because of the lack of aging? I think that's a lot to do with it. It's not aged for years. It's not aged in oak. And also, this guy is a young winemaker, and he's working in a rented facility. You know, he doesn't have a big, fancy winery. Um, So he's probably able to do things on the fly. He doesn't have, like, a giant company. And it's a small project. It's, like, just for fun, I think. Fun label, too. Really cute, which is nice. You know, you've talked about it before, but especially in that section, in that cheap and cheerful, in that affordable wine section, it just helps if the label kind of jumps out. Yeah, very playful label. If you're spending more money, you care less about that. But I don't know. If you want to spend 20 bucks... 25 bucks. You want it to be cool. It's a great, great, versatile wine. In that vein, food pairings, what are we thinking about when we talk about this wine or Rioja and Tempranillo? Definitely bean stew. (laughs) I mean, it's all about the bean stew. Oh my God. We're going to rename the podcast Bean Stew. The Bean Stew Pod. Bean Stew. The Bean Pod. But for real, it is really versatile. As I said, it would be great with roast chicken and roasted vegetables it's great with something a little bit spicy because it does have that bright fruit and not a lot of tannin so you could have it with like maybe some carne asada that's a little spicy carne asada tacos that would be kind of fun i could have this with pizza just like a simple margarita pizza or pepperoni pizza would be awesome sometimes i think of pairing in terms of the flavors of the wine. And sometimes I think of pairing in terms of like, this is a simple, fresh wine. I want a simple, fresh meal, you know, like pizza and salad. Sounds awesome. Usually I think of crushable wines as like wines that are very gluggable as often sparkling or 
white or rosé, but I find this wine to be pretty crushable, pretty gluggable. Like you could easily share this with a friend and have a great time. Totally. And and we're in, we're drinking at room temp, but you could put a little chill on it. You could put it in the fridge for a little bit of time and have it just be a little bit colder and that would be good too, I think. That's for you, Jasper Sorton. Yeah. I know you're asking about some chillable reds out there on Instagram, and this is one. Definitely. So if you are in a market outside of Santa Monica, obviously uh, you want to go to your local wine mar- merchant, local wine market, and ask for a wine like this. How do you ask for this? Well, a lot of wine stores are going to have wines from Spain. And if they have wines from Spain, nine times out of ten, they're going to have a wine from Rioja. This is what uh, this style of Rioja is called a hoven. It's unoaked. It's fresh. It's easy. So I would ask for just a young Rioja Rehoven. The next step up that has a little bit of oak aging, just a little bit, is called a Crianza. That's still going to be affordable. Even the Reserva is probably going to be affordable. Maybe the Grand Reserva. I don't know. When we had the Grand Reserva of um, Los Hermanos Piscina at Esther's, I don't know. I feel like it was only like 40 bucks or something. It wasn't that expensive even, you know? So all in all, it's a great region for value. So this reminds me of last week's episode when we talked about the Rosso version and also the Brunello version of the wine. And so this kind of right. has gradations within it. Exactly. For people to go out and look and say, oh, I want the approachable level. So can you say those names again? The entry level, which this is tonight, is a Hoven. Next level up with just a little bit of aging, one year aging, is the Crianza. Then with two years aging, that's an oak. You have the Reserva. And then after that is the Grand Reserva. If you're a big Jay-Z fan, I know you're going to get that Hoven. I know about four or five of you are going to get that joke. I wasn't one of them. You're definitely not one of them. DM me. Hit me up on Instagram if you got that joke. So that's great. So go in and ask for an approachable Rioja Tempranillo. Most wine stores are going to have For sure. So when you go out there, gang, and get your Rioja, make sure you DM us or tag us on Instagram and say, hey, we're drinking this Rioja tonight, and it's delicious, and it's crushable, just like what we're doing tonight. Who's usually in the market for uh, a Rioja? Well, it's really versatile depending on the aging. So a Hoven like this is great for someone who likes lighter reds, like in the Pinot Noir category or in the light Unoaked Sangiovese category. And then the Grand Reserva could be perfect for someone who likes even a Cabernet Sauvignon or a Brunello or something with more power and tannic structure and oak. So it's, it is really versatile. This wine tonight, yeah, I'd say it's great for like a light red drinker. So hopefully that's helpful. Some great tips on the varietal, and um, like we've been doing for some a uh, few of you out there. If you have, if you're living outside of New York or Santa Monica, and you're looking for a place where you can find thoughtfully produced small producer wines, we're happy to try and help you. We've uh, helped some people from some listeners from Memphis, some listeners from Austin, some listeners from Richmond. And we're happy to do more. So please don't be afraid to DM us or hit us up on Instagram or Twitter at TLFPod on Twitter, the long finish on Instagram. We will find good stores yeah, for you. Yeah, we want you to, to like connect with you know farmers that are working hard to make their wines uh, thoughtfully produced and delicious. So let's connect. All right, we, so we come to the last portion of the evening, which is what has been inspiring us this week. I will go first. Catherine, I sent you an article late last night as I was trying to get to sleep on the couch. An article that's in the New York Times from earlier this year, January 1st, 2020. It's about a wine bar in Brooklyn called Rodora. It's a natural wine bar that is actually working to have zero carbon footprint. 
They talk about the ways in which they compost. They talk about ways in which they prepare the foods, the foods they serve, the lengths they go to sort of reduce their footprint. I read the article. It was like astonishing, like how they convince their vendors to not use packaging. Yes, yes, they're using beeswax instead of plastic. They're carrying breads in plastic bins. They've added like special compost vessels. They're making soap out of salt. I mean, I hope the health department's been there, but like it was incredible to read. The health department is a real thing. (laughs) Let's be honest about that. But it is inspiring to hear the links are going to try to do good work to save the earth it's inspiring to us because i know it's things things that you and i try to do we compost i mean before i met Catherine, i never heard of composting i do compost now yeah so this is an inspiring little thing so we'll put this link on our instagram and twitter if you're in brooklyn go out and support rodora it seems like to be a husband and wife team who are running this they actually have i think from the article no chef all the the staff are preparing the meals very interesting little setup and um it's inspiring that people are trying to make this change so go out and check out Radora. Catherine, you have anything? Well, you're always the music guy. So I thought I'd bring some music into this for a change. Tug his eyebrows are sky high right now. They are. My favorite music genre is jazz. And um, I like some current jazz, but I also listen to old jazz. And the thing that I listen to most often in the car when I'm low or need a refresher is Waltz for Debbie by Bill Evans, Bill Evans Trio. That album is perfect. It just puts you in a space where you're just here now, and it inspires me every single time I listen to it. Whole album. So thank you, Bill Evans Trio. So now we know that you're going to come home from work, and you're going to park the car, and you're going to read a book, and you're going to turn on the Bill Evans Trio, Waltz for Debbie, and you're going to chill yourself out before you come in the house. (sighs) Oh, yeah. You're better already. Audible breath. (laughs) She's happy. Okay, we've done it. Episode 17 is in the books. Thank you to everyone for continuing to listen to us. We appreciate it so much. We have so much fun doing this podcast and and connecting with you all out on social media. We have a couple of great episodes in store coming up, so stay tuned for those. Catherine, where can they find you and The Long Finish on social media? You can find me at Catherine Weil Coker on Instagram and Catherine Weil Coker on Facebook. And you can find The Long Finish at The Long Finish on Instagram and The Long Finish on Facebook. You can be sure to follow me at Tug Coker on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find the long finish on Twitter at TLF Pod. Thank you again. If you have a free moment to rate, review, and subscribe to the show, it would mean a lot to us. We'd love connecting with you and make, make sure that you are out there. And um, yeah, I'm really excited about what we have coming up the next few weeks. So make sure you tune in. But until then, go out and have a great week. See you next time. And happy drinking. Ciao.